From the Financial Times in London, I'm Jonathan Derbyshire, and this is FT News. Philip Roth, one of America's greatest novelists, has died aged 85. The Pulitzer Prize-winning author who rose to fame with Portnoy's Complaint but was perhaps best known for his 1997 historical novel American Pastoral, set in his birthplace of Newark, New Jersey. With me to discuss his life and times is the FT's arts editor, Jan Daly. Welcome, Jan. For those who don't know Roth's novels, how would you characterise his writing? Gosh, that's quite a big ask. In the course of a 60-year career, he wrote 31 books. That's an extraordinary output by any standards. And he encompassed books that take the temperature of the Jewish community in Newark, New Jersey, where he grew up. He was born in the 30s, so 30s, 40s. Then he moves on to much more incisive, perhaps, comments on American politics and identity. And all the while, there's a very strong personal theme. He is known for being savage, for being extremely funny, for being iconoclastic, for offending anybody he could find to offend, starting with his own Jewish roots and going on to feminists, middle America, just about anybody there was to offend, he would offend and enjoy it, I think, and use it interestingly. And he was he was tough, I'm going to say that. He set out to disrupt the rather respectable seriousness of American literature and to take it by the scruff of the neck and shake it hard. You mentioned Jan Controversy, and his first brush with public opprobrium actually came from the Jewish community from which he sprang. He published in 1959 a collection of short stories called Goodbye Columbus, and there's a story in there called Defender of the Faith, which attracted furious criticism from American Jewish community leaders who accused him of being a self-hating Jew and even of doing anti-Semites work for them. And then 10 years later, with what I described at the beginning as his most famous novel, Portnoy's Complaint, he attracted the same criticisms. Do you think he courted controversy? Well, much of that early incident was reworked by him in a hilarious, savage incident, which is actually in Portnoy's Complaint. So whenever anybody really attacked him he used it. He was often asked about this in interviews in the course of his career, and he usually said something along the lines of this, no self-respecting writer would self-censor according to criticism. It's not that you don't take it into account, it's that you use it. So in a sense, everybody who criticised him did so at their peril because they would find themselves remade into a fictional incident in the next work. Of course, that question of the extent to which a writer puts his own lived experience to work arises in the work of any novelist, but it's particularly acute in the case of Roth, isn't it? Because there are several novels which are narrated by what one should probably describe as an alter ego, Nathan Zuckerman. Tell us a bit about the Zuckerman novels. Well, there are the Zuckerman novels. There are also people called Philip Roth in Philip Roth's books. He was also very clever and very subversive and possibly rather 
might say postmodern in his response when asked about this because he once said something along the lines of if I say I'm writing fiction people say I'm writing autobiography when I say I'm writing autobiography people say no that's fiction well since you're all so much smarter than me you make up your mind (laughs) so in a way he was playing a set of quite complicated games with his readers Mm. about identity and fiction and memoir I think that he saw aspects of himself in every one of his protagonists, even when they weren't from the Jewish community. Mm. Because the great novel about baseball, which he also absolutely loved, called The Great American Novel, now that's not a Jewish protagonist. We've talked about controversy. The other area of controversy, and I think this will come to shape the way his legacy is determined in the post-Me Too era, concerns what one could probably call the fraught sexual politics of the novels. I think what we have to say is that he was very much a man of his time. He's not somebody who would have thrived in the Me Too era. His life and career spanned a time of huge change in gender politics. And from 1959, his very first book, to 2010, his last one, spans a revolution in thinking, which I think it's fair to say Roth was not part of and didn't really want to be part of and we could say didn't care about. That made him a puzzle for many women who are very passionate about literature and I can remember this from my own first reading of him when I was a teenager and coming across these astounding books which at the same time people were telling me were sort of anti-feminist and bad. And I was thinking, actually, you know, he may be, but God, he's brilliant. So I think that it's very, very interesting to think about him as a sort of test case Mm -hmm. about what we want our writers to be. Mm -hmm. Do we want our writers to be saintly and politically correct all the time? Probably not. Of course, you don't want to read the work of somebody whose views are deeply offensive, And there were novels that were very heavily criticised. He would probably have said in his defence that sex and erotic relationships between men and women for him wasn't a political question so much as a metaphysical one. He was a metaphysician of eros, you might say. The other extraordinary thing about his career, which you've touched on, is its sheer length and the sheer quantity of remarkable work that he produced. He had this late flowering in his early 60s, beginning with the book American Pastoral, which then set off a series of books which are anatomies of post-war American history. They are, and I think we've talked earlier about his extraordinary prescience because not only was he very prescient in certain political things, the book called The Human Stain would be considered very relevant now because it's about a university professor and, of course, Roth taught in universities He was a working academic for a long time. And I think The Human Stain was very much something which, even if it didn't happen exactly to him, he certainly had many colleagues to whom it happened. It's really about somebody who becomes a victim of a form of political correctness which Mm. could be seen as being overzealous. Mm. And these are very difficult things to talk about. You can't easily negotiate the moral rights and wrongs of that book. And it's already perhaps a little bit dated because, of course, now in the Me Too era, those sorts of issues are far more sensitive even than they were then. This was actually a race issue, but 
I think that that book's remarkably vivid still to us today. We've talked about the range of his subjects and interests. I mean, he also wrote about Israel. There are two novels which involve protagonists and narrators going to the state of Israel, the counter-life and the extraordinary Operation Shylock. Yet there is a sense in which he was also a very parochial writer. We've talked about Newark, the Jewish section of Newark in which he grew up, and he returned there obsessively, didn't he? Newark was perhaps his greatest subject of all. He returned obsessively to the Newark of his mind. I met him in 2011, and he had just published Nemesis, which turned out Mm. to be his last book, which was about a polio epidemic in Newark in the 1940s. It turned out that there was no such epidemic, actually. Mm. He'd imagined it. But he said that the epidemic was fictional, but the fear was real. Mm. And it was about what a community does with that kind of fear. So, of course, in a sense, the polio was metaphorical. It was talking about threats of other kinds. And we talked a bit about it sitting in the middle of this gorgeous, lush woods of Connecticut in this clabbered farmhouse, which could not be further from the mean streets of Newark. And I said to him, when did you last go there? And he said, I don't really go there. It's my head. He said that the Newark of his childhood was wrecked in 1967 in the huge riots which destroyed a lot of the place and then it was rebuilt. So in a sense, his Newark, even within his own lifetime, had already become a place of legend and personal mythology, perhaps. I mean, the other thing I remember him saying to me is that he grew up in a passionately Jewish community, but he said, I don't want you to think that I ever saw a beard or a skull cap Mm. or a prayer shawl. We didn't do that. And he talked about his immigrant family. His grandparents had been the immigrants. His parents were already Americans. He said something like, you know, if we asked our grandmothers where they came from, they would say, I can't remember, we're here now. There wasn't talk about the old country or anything like that. They were absolutely Americans. And I think that's what distinguishes his novels from the work of other American Jewish novelists like Isaac Beshevis Singer or Bernard Malamud, that they are simultaneously Jewish novels and American novels. And I think his legacy will be as one of the great laureates of Americanness in post-war fiction. Jan Daly, thank you for joining me. And if you'd like to read our obituary, you'll find a link on our podcast notes. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash 
Upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.